Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. CFL action in about 30 minutes from now as Jake Mayer. It's not Meyer. Apparently it's Jake Mayer. We'll uh, take the reins at quarterback as the Stampeders look for their first win. Tough task against the uh, Montreal Alouettes, who are 1-0 the season after the win last week over the Edmonton Elks. So uh, that is the Friday night football matchup, Major Leagues of Baseball. The Toronto Blue Jays with a 1-0 lead over the Detroit Tigers. They are in the uh, top of the eighth inning. And uh, the Women's World Hockey Championships finally, finally gets underway after being postponed in Nova Scotia twice in 2020 before the uh, COVID pandemic started. And then in 2021, when all of a sudden they were going, everything was good, all approved. And then the government said, nope, we're not, not having it. And then Hockey Canada rallied. Uh, Calgary really stepped up. And we have a Women's World Hockey Championships in a non-traditional time. And Canada won by a score of 5-3. So to discuss this, uh, we're going to introduce you to someone who is a hockey analytics expert with uh, women's hockey. And for this, we go all the way to Australia as uh, Alyssa Longmuir, who writes for The Athletic, which is a great public sports publication, joins us now. Alyssa, welcome to uh, Inside Sports in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Oh, hi, it's great to be here. Yeah, definitely. I don't feel like I'm coming from the most expected location. <laughs> well, we got to talk about this uh, a little bit later, but I know you uh, you you love the women's game, and I love your your work. I've I've read it. I've read it uh, today. I've I've did a deep dive, and I I love your stuff. And I, I'm someone that loves analytics as well. I'm someone that loves numbers. But hey, we finally got women's hockey. We finally got the world championships and I really feel bad for these players because it's been so long since they played meaningful hockey, but Canada involved in a very interesting game with Finland today. Yeah, definitely an interesting matchup. I think um, a lot of people discredit Finland um, a lot. Like I think particularly in the women's game, it's like, oh, it'll be USA or Canada kind of thing, but that's simply not the case anymore. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Canada definitely started off the game really rough and I was a little worried there for a second. I was like, oh my gosh, I've jinxed them. I have given them <laughs> the analytics jinx. This is my fault directly. Um, but yeah, <laughs> really pulled them back together in the next two periods and made me feel better about myself at least. <laughs> Yeah, like two nothings when I mean you, you hiccup and you know it's all of a sudden it's two nothing and uh, when I look at the stat sheet and Renee Debian who started for Canada only had to make eight uh, shots uh, make saves or sorry eight saves for the win so obviously this this group really rallied and and Finland came out storm you know guns a blazing here but uh, Canada what did you see how they were able to kind of pull themselves out of this little funk that they had early and they really took over. 
Yeah, they really just weren't connecting on, like, anything early. I didn't watch, like, a ton of the first period because I was planning on watching it, like, later because it was at, like, 8 a.m. for me, and I was like, mm, 8 a.m. on a Saturday. <laughs> we'll see how I feel about that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, definitely second and third period, you could see the passes start connecting, start to get a little bit more confidence. I do think the, like, shots on goal are a little misleading for this game in particular. I was looking at the shot charts um, that just got published on the IHF website, and, like, Finland definitely had shots, but a lot of them going past the goal. So, like, huge credit to Canada and their defence there for, you know, putting bodies in lanes and um, getting in the way of those pucks, really uh, making their goalie's job a little bit easier. But, yeah, that second period rally really was something and then just finishing it off in the third. Now, before we kind of dissect, I think, the uh, the top three here, which is would be Canada, the U.S., and, and the team that Canada played today, Finland, what did you like the anticipation of this, of this event because we've been waiting for so long to see the women's worlds which has been canceled twice here in canada and like i mentioned in halifax nova scotia and i was i was wondering going in like what what is the quality of hockey we're going to see here and i know they've played you know a couple exhibition games or one exhibition game but um this is just such a unique experience it's not like the national hockey league who yes it was weird for them to, to not play for four months and then go into a bubble and play. But these girls haven't played for, like, let's face it, two years of meaningful yeah. hockey that they have missed. Yeah, it's like trying to, like, write the article. I'm trying to, like, it was trying to think back to, like, 2019 and be like, oh, my goodness, like, what happened then? It's like I'm looking through the stats. I'm like, you know, why does MPP have really bad stats? It took me, like, a good five minutes to remember she was injured for the entire tournament. It was that long ago kind of thing. I yeah. just, like, forgotten it completely. Um, but, yeah, I think we're definitely seeing a bit of a, a byproduct of just how the past two years have gone for everyone. But for the European players, most of the European leagues continued – the entire way through, you know, the SDHL is a phenomenal league and it's a lot, a league that a lot of these European players do play in. Um, and then for obviously the um, the North American-based players, are because you kind of have like two and a half rookie classes essentially because, you know, both these teams are centralised for the Olympics already. Um, so you do have a lot of younger players who played NCAA up to as recently as last season. And then even within that, you have players who have been playing in the PWHPA exhibition matches against each other mm -hmm. um, the entire way through the pandemic. But there's still just nothing like seeing them put on like the national team jerseys and really go at it. So it, it's, you know, we've had a little bit of stuff to kind of fill the void. Um, but like the world championships or the Olympics is always the biggest event of the year. And to go this long without it, um, has been a long wait. <laughs> yeah. It's been way too long for sure. And, you know, I think the factor as well as I mean, like the NWHL here in North America, they played and then they stopped because they had COVID issues and then they came back and played. But then before that, the, the, the CWHL here in Canada, uh, that ended, and you're yeah. talking about the European League. So I wonder, did you see a bit of, is that a big reason why the gap has closed a bit, especially with Finland and maybe with some other countries as well behind Finland, that the gap is kind of closing a little bit with the with Canada and the U.S.? Yeah, I think uh, Finland's definitely also, like, one, the quality of European leagues is really good, and I think we discount them a lot. Um, you know, the SDHL is well, technically currently, like, the best, second best-ish, like, women's league in the world, depending on what you're classifying as a league, yada, 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 all of that. Um, 
but like also Finland's ice hockey organization is investing a ton of money into, you know, the women's games, the same way US and Canadian players are, you know, being paid for being on the team that's happening in Finland as well. And we're really starting to see kind of the, the come like the effects of actually, you know, paying these players what they're worth so that they don't have to have, you know, 27 side jobs while also trying to play for the national team. Um, I think Sweden's also would probably, they're a bit below Finland and they're having their own internal issues with um, the organization that is Hockey Sweden at the moment, hence why they are not in the tournament. It's not that they're so bad they dropped out. I did see a couple of people commenting that today i was like oh no 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 they're still okay they're just they're not there <laughs> not this year um but yeah like you know that's kind of your big four that you expect in women's hockey and it's definitely exciting to see that gap closing because more competitive hockey is better for everyone let's uh, let's talk about canada specifically here as we're joined by the athletics uh, Alyssa longmere uh on inside sports tonight is uh, we're talking about the women's world hockey championships which got underway today Canada with a win in their opener against Finland by a score of five to three Canada's kind of going through a bit of an overhaul here uh, and if you go back to you know I go back to the 2018 Winter Olympics when they lost that thrilling shootout against the U.S. there's there is a lot of change over even back to 2019 I mean for example Megan Mickelson who was from you know, is, is a local here, uh, great defenseman, and she didn't make the team even though she uh, went to the uh, development camp or the uh, selection camp. So there's a lot of turnover. There's still some familiar names like Marie-Philippe Poulin, as you said, but tell, yeah. tell, tell us about the metamorphosis and kind of the changeover of uh, the, the roster for Canada right now. And it's still pretty good, but, you know, yeah. it, it is a lot of new flavor here too. Yeah, definitely. And I think it is, um, it feels like a lot at once because we are getting, as I mentioned before, kind of like two, almost three rookie classes joining the yeah. roster um, at once because it's kind of just, there hasn't been any games for them to play in. So it's, they've piled up a little bit in the corner there and it's suddenly like, oh, here's some kids for you. Um, but yeah, like if you watch today's <laughs> game, like Sarah Fillier was phenomenal and is going to be like a standout performer for Canada for years to come. Same could be said against right. about Victoria Back, who, while maybe not the most obvious on the score sheet, um, you know, only two shots on goal, was one of those players I just kept noticing on the ice. Like, it felt like every single time she was on the ice, I was like, oh, there she is. She's doing great things. Excellent. Um, which is always a great indicator for a player. <laughs> <laughs> and their goaltending is interesting as well. I'm always amazed with the Canadian uh, with, with the Canadian goaltenders in both the men's and the women's because they're so good. You have three. And I think in the women's side, we see more rotation where in the men's it's we're just going to play Carey Price for the whole darn series for the whole darn Olympics and and there you go but you know there is uh, some some really good goaltenders uh that that are that are really being featured here yeah in my opinion they have the deepest goaltending um group in the tournament you know Mashmaya uh Desmonds and Campbell like you really can't go wrong with any of those three um no matter how you who who you put out on the ice um in any given night so it'll be interesting in a way to see who they select um for each game as the tournament goes on because yeah I, I don't think it's set in stone um who is going to be that goaltender but uh for you know once we get to you know, the semifinals and finals. Uh, but, yeah, definitely a big chance uh, with for those three in particular for one of them to come out and really, like, take a stance because this is essentially their tryout for the Olympic spot. Like, you want that Olympic starter spot and, you know, this, this is going to be the thing that pretty much decides it. 
All right, let's tell your story here. So we're joined by Alyssa Longmuir. Uh, from Australia, who writes for The Athletic and does great work for them, uh, writing analytics on the women's hockey uh, scene and talking about the Women's World Hockey Championships here on 630 Chat Inside Sports. How does a woman like yourself in Australia become a hockey fan and and uh, be really, really good at what you do? <laughs> uh, the, um, the origin story of it is deeply hilarious and also somewhat relevant. Um, <laughs> I did a study abroad in Scotland and I had one of my roommates was from Edmonton and it's like 9 p.m. at night and was getting text messages about the game from her dad. And I was like, oh, what, what are you like, you know, paying attention to? And she's like, oh, you know, the hockey. I was like, okay, like, who are we going for? She's like, okay, so we're Edmonton. So we're the Oilers and we're playing Calgary and we hate them. And like, I'm from a smallish <laughs> town in Australia. So I was like, okay, I can do this. Like, yes. let's go. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that is quite literally, I was just told that I like Edmonton now um, and we hate Calgary. And this was, you know, uh, 2014. So not the best year to somehow become no. an Oilers fan. Um, but I did it. <laughs> and then it, it got really good because the team drafted Leon Dreisaitl, then they drafted some guy named Connor McDavid. And then yeah, they... so it was the, the season before they drafted McDavid that I got into right. it. So, like, when everyone was like, uh, you're just bandwagoning, I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I watched so we've 2010 seen... yeah. game tape on YouTube for this. Like, come on. Okay. So how, how did the game resonate with you like what did you see that really really stuck out to you and especially from the analytics side of things because you, you say 2010 that's when analytics really started to yeah. to really become really cool and something that uh we see now on a regular basis uh yeah so um like very much person i, I came back to australia you know started trying to watch games couldn't find any i didn't know how to watch hockey games in australia like i didn't know like NHL, like, .com, you could watch games on there. So I was really confused as to how I was going to follow this team. Uh, so I started just finding whatever I could on YouTube, hence the accidentally watching most of the 2010 and 11 seasons oh, issue. Uh, but then it was like, yeah, <laughs> it was bad. <laughs> Would not recommend doing that to get into a team. Um, but, yeah, it was like the type of thing where I was like, okay, it's really fast. I like that it's really fast, but also I have no idea what's going on. What it is what, like, are my assumptions correct? And as you said, analytics were kind of just coming in, you know, particularly like, 2015, 16, it's getting bigger. So I started like trying to find analytics people on Twitter to follow just to like validate my own opinions to start with. Like, oh, I thought that player was really good today. Oh, this person who knows lots of stuff is also saying they did really good today. So, okay, good, 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 good. I'm not, I'm, I'm watching this correctly. Um, and yeah, slowly just kind of got sucked into the analytics side of things and then started doing uh, women's hockey writing and then working with analytics uh, for the hockey leagues here in Australia. So feels like very much a full circle to be writing about women's hockey at a world yeah. championships in Canada so we're running, we're, now here. <laughs> yeah, we're running out of time here, which, which saddens me here. Uh, so quickly, how yeah. is the best way to use analytics? Because uh, I know it can be really skewed, and I think the analytics community, there's that dark side where they can really skew numbers to go against a certain player that they don't like. So what, what's, in your view, what's the best way to use analytics in hockey? 
Uh, it's a tool, you know, you use it to inform existing opinions and to also make you question your existing opinions. You know, if the data is saying that someone's maybe not good, the data might not be 100% correct, but it does mean that you probably need to question why you think they're so much better than what the data is saying. You know, challenge yourself right. and your opinions um, in that way. Women's hockey, we're still working on getting more and more data. Uh, it's a significant way behind the men's game uh, in that re- um, in that aspect. Uh, but yeah, definitely. I always find it fun, particularly now we're getting to the point where there's like a little bit of discourse where like, there's enough of us doing women's hockey analytics that we don't agree on everything. Um, and that's really exciting because it means we do have to look at our own work and what are the biases in our own work and what we're producing and why are we wrong or why are we right? That is a very mature way of looking at analytics. It's not about fighting with someone that your your way of looking at analytics is better than someone else's view of analytics. It's kind of cross-referencing and and fact-finding and and kind of making people think. So I like that. Alyssa, we need more analytics people like you to think this way because it would make Twitter especially a much much friendlier place and a much more useful place. That's just my silly opinion, but hey, I, I I live here in Edmonton and I know how you know how passionate and the other side of that is there's a lot of vitriol, uh, especially uh, with the and the era you talk about the 2010 2011, that was the start of what has been called the middle of the decade of darkness here in Edmonton where yeah. they didn't make the playoffs for 11 straight seasons as you know. So yeah. <laughs> we're not there Tragic anymore, though. So that's good. <laughs> yes. And we're not there anymore. So that's really good. So, uh, wow. I, you know, I could do this uh, for another half an hour with you, but I can't. So because I'm over time right now. But uh, Alyssa, we would love to have you back on the show one day. Uh, thank you so much for, uh, you know, it's uh, what, about 9, 1030 in Australia right now? Uh, In the morning? Close. 11.30, okay. Well, we appreciate that, and I know you're going to have some early mornings watching this tournament, so uh, do well with that, and we look forward to your work on The Athletic. Thanks so much, Alyssa. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. That's Alyssa Longmere from Australia who writes uh, analytics for the women's hockey uh, game and also for the Women's World Hockey Championships for The Athletic. Uh, What a great guest, and uh, yeah, I would love to have her back on the show once again if it's only 11 30 in australia why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them with royal caribbean you don't just go to the beach you visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in north america you don't just go for a road trip you atv and zip line through the jungle you don't just go somewhere new you rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples because this isn't just any vacation this is all the vacations Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I think in the morning, I think we can do it. We're over time, so let's take a break right now on Inside Sports. So the Niagara River Lions threw to the CEBL final as they beat Fraser Valley Bandits 84-82. So they advanced to the final to play either the Edmonton Stingers or the Ottawa Blackjack. Stingers got to be heavily favored 
over Ottawa, who are four and ten compared to a thirteen and one team. You never know. I remind you of sixteen and two in nineteen eighty nine, the Edmonton football team losing to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. It was so bad of a memory, Kellen. I couldn't even. Don't say it. it. Don't say it. Oh. If you don't oh. say it, it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to tip off uh, very shortly at the Hive at Edmonton Expo Center. Jays in action as they are now uh, tied with Detroit 1-1, top of the ninth. We uh, have a, a final in Calgary. Canada, 5-3 over Finland, opening game at the Women's World Hockey Championships. And the Calgary Stampede is about to take on the Montreal Alouettes. Big weekend here for the World Triathlon Championships, and we'll talk to a... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline triathlete who's going to be competing in the corporate challenge on sunday and talk about why is triathlon cool it's inside sports CFL football action tonight in Calgary. The Stampeders at 0-2 and with Jake Mayer at quarterback because Bo Levi Mitchell's on the six-game injured list with a broken fibula. They'll take on the 1-0 Montreal Alouettes. And still to come this weekend is a doubleheader tomorrow. I'll just do it in reverse order because why not? It's Friday. The late game is in Regina. The Riders against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And in Toronto, it's the home opener for the Argos as they take on the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And the Elks will be out in Toronto a week. Well, actually, in six days from now. And we'll have the uh, game for you right here in 6.30, Ched. 4 o'clock for countdown to kickoff, 5.30 for the uh, kickoff from BMO Field. And the Elks firing special teams coordinator Chris Ripon today as the team is struggling in both uh, the punt and kickoff coverage and Terry Williams not getting untracked here with, uh, although he had a couple nice returns yesterday. It's the first time we really saw a burst from Terry Williams, but maybe the, they'll be able to get untracked. Pretty tough move to make, though, even though it is kind of early in the season to do that. A uh, pretty cool weekend here in Edmonton as well. As I mentioned, we got the Canadian Elite Basketball uh, Canadian Elite Basketball League Championship weekend. Stinger's about to take the court against the Ottawa uh, Blackjacks for the right to uh, face the Niagara River Lions in the final on Sunday at the Hive. And it is the uh, World Triathlon Series back in Edmonton, which is very exciting. And there's a lot of cool events around it. I mean, you got gold medalists from, from Tokyo in the men's and women's size. You got a lot of medalists, actually. And you also have uh, a corporate event. And I'm very pleased on the uh, Certainty Hotline, uh, professional grade building materials pro all the way to bring in Edmonton's David Hirsch to the show. David, thank you for coming on Inside Sports. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fine. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, well, 
I mean, th this is cool to have this event back because we did not have it last year. Uh, and you're going to be competing in a pretty cool event on Sunday. But uh, just talk about the excitement level to, to have the a world-class event uh, in the world of triathlon back in our city. Oh, it's just awesome. When you think about it, two, two, week, two years we've missed it. And to have the world's best here, especially coming off the Olympics, it's just fantastic to have those people here. And to watch them, it's just uh, so uh, so exciting and so inspiring. How long have you been competing in, in triathlon or have just, uh, I don't know how many competitions you competed in, but, but when did you take up triathlon? Oh, not until about 10 years ago. So I was in my really? late 40s, believe it or not. And then uh, I've just been doing a few events every year. And, and I actually don't call it competing. I call it participating the way I, I uh, do these triathlons. Uh, very good. See, I hear that from marathon runners. In fact, uh, Reed Wilkins, who's a regular host of the show, he's a marathon runner, but he says, no, I'm here to, you know, just enjoy the the activity. And, you know, yes, if I get a personal best, that's great. So that's really cool to, to, to hear that, David. So now when I, I know some people that are in triathlon and it's usually they have one real the uh, one of the three disciplines that they really love the most it's the running right. side it's the cycling side or it's the swimming side so for you what was it uh, in the beginning that you really loved and excelled at the cycling absolutely so i love going fast and love going down hills not so much up hills but uh, that's <laughs> where i really excel so the way i position it is when i'm when i survive the swim and then i enjoy the rest Ah, there you go. There you go. So when did this come up as like a, a, a like a thing that you would want to do and try and challenge yourself? And you said 10 years ago, but maybe just right. tell the story about how, you know, you, you wanted to get into this and, and, and challenge yourself. And like you say, participate in something really cool. Sure, sure. I think it was back a long ways to the old wide world of sports when they showed some of those triathlons from Hawaii. And I thought, oh, that would be neat. But just a kid, never thought about it. And then uh, later on, got married, had four kids, was busy coaching them and ball and soccer. And, and then they got into dance. And so then I was, I had some free time. And so then I ran a marathon because on, on my bucket list. And once I did that, I thought, well, now what? And so then I thought, I'm going to do a triathlon. So that's how I started. And I started cheap and, and very short events. I started with a mountain bike and a regular swimming suit and, and then, the problem with triathlon, it sucks you in. You, can't, you need a better bike, you need a wetsuit, and, and you spend a few dollars. But it's, but it's been great, a great journey along the way. I mean, how do you prepare for this other than, you know, you're going to go for a swim and you're going to go for a bike and you're going to go for a run, right? But at the same time, this is three disciplines. This is three disciplines that that you have to perform, and and it's not easy because one is, is difficult enough. So what's the, what, what's the, the key in your mind as you have done this for 10 years uh, to, to do it as best you can? So a little bit of training in, in each discipline. So I'll swim a couple times a week. I'll run four or five times a week and then a few bike rides and then on the weekend, a long bike ride. So just a lot of hours. That's really what it comes down to. So, Right now, I'm probably training two and a half hours a day, taking Sunday off. Very good, very good. Because you can't you can't do this seven days a week. Come on now, you can, like that's very good that you take a rest day. That's very good. Uh, David Hurst joining us, who's from what's that? Go ahead. Sorry, my aching knees are telling me I need to take more time off. But then I'm not I'm not getting younger. 
<laughs> we're all not getting younger for sure uh, but but for your discipline i mean you really got to listen to your body for sure uh, no question about it as we're joined by david hirsch i uh, was going to run in the corporate race in uh, the world triathlon uh, part of the world triathlon edmonton which will begin tomorrow joining us here on 6 30 chad inside sports so how did you uh, handle the 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 pandemic and you know i, I would think Two of the disciplines you could still do pretty well with the cycling and the running, but uh, was the swim the the most challenging part of of, uh, of training and just of the leisure that you like to do with with the sport of triathlon? Absolutely, that was the real problem. So I got into the pool, let's say May or June, and I would have normally been swimming since November, right? And so I, mean, I imagine everybody's swim time will be a little slower just because of that so it's been terrible my neighbor has a small pool i did a little bit few many laps in that one and and then when the other pools opened up i got to go there too so but for sure that was a big problem the biking and the running not so much right but the pool stuff you, you can do a bit of um weight training to help with that but uh yeah mm -hmm. no it's nothing like getting in the water so how many times have you competed here in edmonton in the uh, or participated excuse me uh <laughs> participated in uh in, in the corporate race or will this be the first time this will be the first time for the corporate. I've done the ITU one here a few times, um, and I've also done the Great White North, which is in Stony Plain a number of times too. So, so when you uh, around the event, you're probably going to be watching, aren't you? <laughs> all the all the great athletes that'll be here. Absolutely, <laughs> yeah. I watch them in live, and I watch them when I can on TV, and it's, it's, it's something to watch. I tell you. So. As we finish up here, David, and we really appreciate your time and telling telling your story. If someone wants to get into triathlon, what's the best thing that they can do in the in the beginning here? I would say uh, start with a very short one. So there's these try a tries, and that, there's one of those this weekend too. Just a short distance. Um, don't invest a lot of money till you till you like the sport. Don't be embarrassed because you're there on a mountain bike. It doesn't matter and. Um, just take it nice and slow. If you can't afford a coach, it's always awesome to get a coach to, to help you, especially on the swimming side. I know I've done that. And uh, as well, this, this question just popped in my head. What's the longest triathlon you competed in? So, oh, that's a good question. So um, something called a 70.3 or, or half Ironman. I've done a few of those. I am mm -hmm. booked to, to do the full Ironman in Penticton in September, but... Uh, We'll see how that goes. I'm a little worried about that one. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's great. David, uh, it was a real pleasure, pleasure to talk with you. Uh, thank you so much for telling your story. Have fun in the final moments of training, which I'm sure you're winding down because you got to conserve mm -hmm. that energy for uh, Sunday. But just, just have a blast and enjoy the competitions as well. Thank you so much. That's David Hirsch, who is from Edmonton, who's going to be in the corporate race at the World Triathlon Edmonton. And it's just fun to hi highlight someone who loves triathlon. And he's only been doing it for 10 years, and he loves it. So that's great. So if you want to do it, like you said, just maybe start small, see if you like it. And if you really get uh, a real liking for it and a love for it, then maybe get a coach. But, you know, start small. And I think we've heard Reed Wilkins say this many times as a as a runner. And I love when he tells his story about uh, about uh, running marathons and why he does it. And I love that David says, I participate. I don't compete. So I, I think that's tremendous as well because I've heard Reed say that many, many times. Uh, they are underway in Calgary, and they have the lead so far. 
Uh, Rennie Paredes field goal. The uh, Stampeders are up 3-0 on the Montreal Alouettes as uh, they're just, uh, let's see, three and a half minutes in to the first quarter of play. Paredes, the uh, length of the field goal was 39 yards. We'll hear more from uh, members of the Edmonton Elks after a big 21-16 win last night over the BC Lions. Too, the king is calling it a career. Yeah, Henrik Lundqvist, one of the greatest goaltenders of his generation, has announced his retirement less than nine months after heart surgery. 39-year-old from Sweden, uh, starred for years for the New York Rangers, 459 wins, 64 shutouts, and, fi- and in uh, 15 seasons. And Kellen, he will still be posing for GQ magazine or whatever else. I just want to be able to... Henrik does things. Yeah, exactly. I just want to be able to fly out to New York the next time, you know, we're all allowed to, well, kind of like travel like we were before and catch him at like a club or something like that playing guitar because he is a master guitarist. Oh, wow. Yeah. There you go. So there you go. If you get a chance tonight, everybody, Google Hendrick Lundquist guitar. (laughs) I think he did something on Jimmy Fallon or one of the late night shows years ago uh, where they brought him out as a special musical guest and that stuff, and he was just noodling with the the house band. I want to say it was Fallon, but yeah. So there you go. Thing you didn't know. You know how some... (laughs) You know, some pro athletes struggle in retirement. Henrik Lundqvist will not because he's a well-versed man. So that's good. He's got a man of many talents. He could be uh, He could be the new most interesting man on the planet. Well, maybe he'll play like pickup hockey like Alex Daylock has been, you know, <laughs> getting ready for the NHL season. Oh, by the way, he joined uh, Brendan Escott and Cam Moon on orders now and says, well, you know, I could play next season. Of course I could. I mean, that's a goal every year, right? You want to play as many games as you can and, and win as many games as you can as a goalie. Uh, throw everything out at the end of the day. You look up at the scoreboard, you win or you lose. And, uh, you know, to come in and just, I just want to be ready and, uh, you know, make a, make a hard decision on them, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, obviously your goal is to play in the NHL. And uh, that's my goal every year is, you know, to have a better year than the last. And like you said, obviously the last full season was, well, the 19 season for me and obviously that's kind of tough having uh, you know you missed whatever we played 56 games or whatever it may be last year and um i'm just looking forward to getting back you know love uh, playing hockey is what i love to do and um getting a chance and obviously it's a great team in front of you so it's uh, it's a great opportunity it was a starter with the minnesota wild they meant they went to the uh a qualification round here in the bubble in Edmonton. He was a starter then and then had a heart complication, and that is why he became a, a member of the Edmonton Oilers after he got through all that. And uh, we'll see. I don't know. Mike Smith is going to be back. You got to think he's uh, going to be the starter. Miko Koskinen is around. I don't think that has necessarily been settled yet. I still think there's a chance for a move to be made with Miko Koskinen. He got the second buyout there could be teams that need a goalie all of a sudden or that think that that's the time to make the move. So we'll see what happens. But right now, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the three that 
ended the season with the Oilers that will potentially start the season, but that's who they have at present. Uh, Greg Ellingson, what a performance yesterday in that 21-16 win over the uh, BC Lions. The Edmonton Elks receiver, nine catches, 100 and 40 yards plus receiving. Trevor Harris, who had almost 300 yards receiving, and there's nothing wrong with 82. You know, Greg is going to help us in many, many facets. You know, it's not just his receiving yards. It's not just what he does after the catch. It's his run blocking. It's his leadership. It's his effort in practice. And everybody was all concerned, you know, uh, seven hours ago. What's wrong with Greg? And, <laughs> and you know, this happens. And Greg, it's just funny. I've seen Greg have negative receiving yards and have a 1,200-yard season in, I think it was 2016. And um, he's the same guy after he has one catch for one yard and the same guy after he has, you know, nine for 148. And that's who Greg is. That's why he's a Hall of Fame wide receiver. It's just a matter of when he have, when he's done and he has to bide his time until he gets uh, that Hall of Fame call. But he's uh, he's that guy, and uh, that's the reason why, you know, I'm always trying to make sure that 82 is on, on the same side as me. So the next layer, of course, is you hope they will score some touchdowns. And with this offense, it should come. I mean, Darrell Walker was the lowest receiver yesterday with uh, 22 yards. If he didn't drop that one long pass, then his numbers would have been much, much better. But uh, it's definitely coming. The defense, they've been consistent for two of the three games. Uh, and even in the second game against Montreal, it wasn't like it was horrible. But uh, the likes of uh, Thomas Costigan, who filled in for Quaku Boateng, who's in COVID protocol, Jake Ceresna, the front seven played well. The back end uh, gave up maybe a bit too much at times, but overall they played pretty well uh, as well. Edmonton Stingers up 1916 over the Ottawa Blackjacks. They are in the uh, late stages of the first uh, period of play in uh, at the Hive here in Edmonton at the Expo Center. If the uh, Stingers win, they advance to the final to take on Niagara. And uh, baseball, 1-1. Jays and Tigers in extra innings. Women's World Hockey Championships, 5-3. Canada over Finland. Also earlier, it was the Czech Republic, 6-1 over Denmark. Right now, in the first period of play, Switzerland and the U.S. are tied 0-0. Canadian Football League, the Stampeders up 3-0 on the Montreal Alouettes, getting to the uh, about uh, six minutes to go in the first quarter of play. And the Elks won last night, but not enough to save the job of Chris Rippon. Special teams coordinator has been let go. As I mentioned, next game is uh, this coming Thursday in Toronto. Four o'clock is the countdown to kickoff. 530 is the kickoff. Because Morley and I cannot really social distance in the booth or have a barrier because that booth is so darn small at BMO in the visitor's booth. Um, I'll be doing my duties from... Chad Central. So I'll get to see Kellen Kennedy, finally. For a very, very long time. I've not seen him. I can't wait. Anyway, thanks to Brennan Clack, the producer of this show next week, or this week, next week on Monday, Reed is back. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy back at the uh, studios. Have a great evening, everyone, and a great weekend. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.